Hey, good morning, everybody. It's time for Hollywood Breaks. It's good to be with you. Keith and I are here enjoying ourselves on this wonderful uh, Friday. Good Friday weekend. Hey, uh, happy Good Friday to you, Keith. Same to you, Tim. Good to see you as always. Yeah, you too. Look at, I know this is going to be a good conversation because we were doing our prep and we yeah. got you heated up about a couple of things. I might yes, move. Yes, you did. I, I get, I, I, I get, I get excited. I get excited. I'm, I'm a very passionate uh, person about certain things, and when I get going, I get going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll leave the the Zack Snyder cut to the end <laughs> of the conversation. If you want to watch Keith freak out, just stick with us for the next twelve minutes, and let's start talking <laughs> about Superman. <laughs> Yeah, I have my opinions. That that's definitely uh, uh, for, for certain. <clears throat> and not that you're not a Zack Snyder fan. Let's let's play that part. No, I I, I no. I I, I I'm, so you're gonna get me started already. <laughs> We're not even into it, and you already got me going. But well, I I will just say that I overall I'm a fan of Zack Snyder. But there are certain things that he's done in the past few years that I'm not a big fan. Of. All right. And that's all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> for until now, I'm going to hold you back. I'm going to hold you back. <laughs> All right. Well, happy. You know, it's been a kind of exciting week, honestly. There's uh, some great stuff going on. You know, I um, have that Clubhouse app on my phone, and I kind of jump in and out of conversations. And a lot of the conversations, I got to say, it's just banter. I, I can't really get through, you know, too far into these conversations without realizing these people aren't talking about real Hollywood stuff. Um, most people are kind of giving an opinion of what it takes to do certain things. But when you hear like the conversation with Cameron and Cami Sargent and, and Robin, like these people that we have been talking to, to understand what it takes to really launch a studio feature film, the mm. insides and outs of what's going on and really some of the strategy. I don't know. I, I, I find the conversations that, and the depths that we're going into just to be so, um, um, I don't know, exciting to kind of know how this stuff really works. So I appreciate yeah. what you and your friends are doing to kind of share this opportunity. <laughs> the yeoman's work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I, I, you know, I always, I go back to when I started and in the industry and there was so much I didn't understand. And I then took it upon myself. One of the, my first producers I, I interned with, not to go too much into my history, but um, she was a producer on the Sony lot. So just being on that lot and the history and the, it's the former MGM lot. So just all the history that's there. The one thing she told me my first day is like information in this industry is power as long you need to understand who the players are, how it works, what's happening in the business, what's going on behind closed doors, because that's how you succeed. And a lot of people just ignore all that and just focus on sort of what the day to day is. But you need to understand the bigger picture so that your day to day is more effective. And that's what made me so effective at Fox for a long time was that I knew everything. I knew the ins and outs. I knew what was happening. My boss was always amazed at how much I knew. And he's like, what are your, like my last day at Fox, he like begged me to give me my sources. And I'm like, it's not one particular person. It's just, I, I have access to all these information points and I just use them to sort of get a broader understanding. And that's often what is missed when you go to like some of these talks about growing and getting started in business and how you get make it in the industry. And it's all this sort of standard stuff like, oh, you should go work for an agency and yeah. you need to read the hero with a thousand faces and the screenplay and how to write a screenplay. And it's just that that that's that's oh, it's just well, it I doesn't I, uh, advance I you in any way. Have, have a kid who uh, moved down to L.A. would love to be in the industry. And I realized 
you know, my story won't work for him. What made me successful and my, you know, somewhat naive of just literally going door to door. I parked my car in Burbank and I just walked yep. up and down Burbank Boulevard and anything that said production on it, I rang the doorbell or walked in or asked for mm -hmm. work. And I spent a whole day doing that and ended at Dick Clark production. But especially today, like nobody's in the office. There's no visibility. Everyone, no. Everyone's uh, doing their, these online submissions. So you're gonna have to do something different right that approach and you're totally right i think it's curiosity strength and understanding not hey there's a formula to getting it done i mean yeah i mean listen that formula was pushed on me when i started like i went out there with a year worth of experience working in an ad agency i thought i understood i you know i had a full understanding of sort of the the influxes of a campaign i thought because i had worked on a couple of commercial shoots i got the basic pieces of how you make a movie but what i didn't realize is how much the information that is sort of um, accessed in the industry, how important that is to your job. Yeah. And I was success successful because I took what my producer, that first producer, I took that on board and I said, okay, I need to know everybody, what all the big players are doing. I was never wowed by sort of like seeing um, a Bruce Willis or some of the stars that came in. I was like, okay, they're just people. I was more wowed by like watching Peter Chernin in a room and watch how he works a meeting. Like that was sort of the, like he was the only person I could ever see where Tom Rothman would just sort of be like, he would listen to what your chairman had to say. Whereas Tom Rothman usually wants to be the dominant person in the room. Um, but when Peter Chen was in the room, it was like Tom, you know, it, it, just watching all those interactions was, was fascinating to me. Yeah. Or sitting in a room with Jeffrey Katzenberg, who has for years been sort of a line of the industry and all the movies he created when he was at Disney and just sitting there and watching, listening to him, you know, critique a campaign, like all those things, like, you know, you just realize that, yeah. that, 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 that there's so much to glean from them versus just learning from sort of, you know, the SVP at a studio. Yeah, it's not a wannabe industry as much as you you think it is. And it's right. just not, there's oh. a lot of waiters and waitresses in Hollywood yes. because, because the wannabe and to make yourself famous or make yourself important. And really they, a, a big key to this industry and making things work is making other people successful. If you're right. a producer, you have to be working with your director and your studio. Yes. If you're a director, you have to be working with your actors, your producer, your team. It's And I think that's a, a Spielberg-esque um, kind of win is that he realized and still realizes what it takes to make people successful. His studio play, his content play, all that stuff is always looping in other people. And yeah. that's the influence that we have here. It, I think right. it even goes into, and probably what we will get into later with this idea of Zack Snyder. Um, but why some of these studios and what we're, why we're curious about their big moves are, because if you understand what studios are trying to do, then you can participate kind yes. of in the industry that way. Yes. So, so the one we're dealing with now is people's willingness to go back to the cinemas. Mm -hmm. It's a huge concern. And as a content creator and a worker, we want to kind of know what's happening or even like this, the really, maybe really good move of like, and strategic move of putting Godzilla versus Kong out now like they're like like to take that movie and say let's put that in the theaters right now and see what kind of attention we get opposed mm -hmm. to like uh, earlier on or what what happened to tenant like godzilla versus kong did something this weekend 40 million dollars in the box office like something has come up where the industry is moving itself forward um 
I don't know. That's pretty, that's pretty exciting to me. Like you, you something to participate in and something to, to kind of. Yeah. And I think that's always been sort of our position of the podcast is sort of the idea that this, although there is a lot of pain happening right now with layoffs and sort of the uncertainty of it all, it's also an opportunity for the in industry to evolve itself and become more, um, I guess the word is, I, I often use this as democratized. So it spreads out sort of the, the ability to create stuff to a variety of different platforms. Um, you, I, my dream has always been that we don't have to, you don't have to be in New York and LA to make a movie. You can be anywhere. And I want that to sort of be some of the lessons that we get out of this is that you don't have to live in LA to, to get your movie out in the world. Um, and I, you know, I'm hopeful that that's sort of the evolution that we're seeing. Um, I think it's great that it shows that people are starting to feel comfortable enough to go back into theater. Um, although they, their five day, I think is around 42 million, I believe, um, which domestic, for, 42 domestic yeah. for a traditional five day. It's not that great. Like, let's be honest. Um, it's funny deadline had in their article that the original, the previous, uh, film for Godzilla, I can't remember the name of it or the previous Kong, whatever, which one it was, was like 47.8 million over a three day. And it was considered a dud. So I think we have to keep in mind that there are baby steps to get there. Um, and I think this is a, a positive sign. I think it also continues the conversation about whether or not Warner Media's strategy is necessarily a bad one. Um, one analyst said, look, this makes Jason Clark look like a genius because it shows that people will still go to see a movie, even if it's available at home. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes with a lot of caveats. First, the, like the idea that something like a Godzilla versus Kong is something you want to see in the theater. You don't want to see it on your standard 47 inch HDTV. You want to see it on a big screen because it's two giant monsters and you want to see them huge. So I don't necessarily believe that this is a great case study in terms of whether or not Warner Media's decisions to do a dual release is effective or not. But um, I do think, again, it's, it's, a, it's a positive sign. Although I will say this, I worry that this means the industry is going to sort of fall back into the standard position of like, we just need product. People will go back to the movies. We just need product. And I don't believe that. I think there's going to be a lot of hesitation. We have to remember we're at limited um, occupancy Capacity, levels right yeah. now. Yeah, 20% um, so, or 25%. Yeah, what it's going to be like when it's 100% and you're sitting next to somebody who isn't masked and they're coughing. Like, are people really going to be comfortable with that? I think we're still a long way away from seeing if the theater experience, while I do believe it will survive this, whether or not it is the definitive go-to place for sort of your cultural moment. And I think Richard Rushfield, and again, I know I preach him constantly because I think he's such an incisive writer in terms of what's happening in the business. He had a piece last week that basically said, listen, if you want people to come back to the theater, you have to make it feel special. You have to make it feel like it's something distinctive from what's happening on their TV. And I think, you know, he had one guy who, who wrote into him and said, listen, I think Disney understands that because they're still offering the film, but it's a premium. So you have to pay in addition to what you're paying for Disney Plus. So if you really want to see it at home, you have to put forth the extra dollars. Well, and it I, becomes more of an alternative. Okay, yes, the HBO exactly. Max play. Right. It's interesting. Um, the HBO Max play says, hey, you know, pay more to go to the theater or you mm -hmm. can watch it with your current subscription. Yeah, I'm also curious. Like, I think internationally it hit 120 million, 120 million in box office for Godzilla versus Kong. 
versus 40 million domestic makes me wonder if the HBO Max didn't eat into some of the marketplace that's there. Where yeah, I mean, I, they don't have I, I mean, to the HBO Max in, in the same way. And yeah, you had to go to the theaters to watch it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know with the international penetra penetration of HBO Max off the top of my head. And I don't know how many territories that is. I don't have that breakdown. I mean, but it's still, I, again, this is all positive. I, I don't want to be a negative Nelly. However, I would like to see the industry doing something more sort of um, together to sort of talk about coming back to the theaters. I don't see that happening. Um, I saw a spot last week um, that had was done by all the, the sports leagues basically saying we can't wait to have you back. Like giving that sense of like we are ready for you when you want to come back. We're excited to have you back. Where the hell is the industry on this? They're just sitting there like pretending like, you know, we just need product. And that's what makes me nervous is because they're pretending like we just need more movies and people will just come back. And I oh, just I, don't think that's the case. I see what you're saying. So, so was, uh, if you compare it to sports leagues where they're saying, hey, and they started a campaign of like, we're ready when you are kind of a thing. Yeah, and almost getting people exactly. to support. You're right. I don't see much happening with the industry, the studio no. industry saying, hey, let's let's be ready when you are. Although I think about like, there, you know, there are like ownership groups for the leagues. Like those ownership groups have, I mean, the NFL has, has an NFL headquarters. Mm -hmm. There's no like, Hollywood headquarters necessarily, but maybe the Academy mm. has something like that, but like, it's not- I mean, listen, you've got several organizations. The Director's Guild could do something that they want to do. Yeah, I mean, you got several organizations that could work together to put this together. You got the Academy, you got NATO, you've got the MPAA, you've got the, um, the negotiating arm that negotiates with all the unions that the studios coordinate on many things often but a lot of the time. No, and those aren't strategic organizations. I mean, the NPA, I, I, and I realize that, but I, I think at this point, if there's any, any, any time where you need to be together as a, as an industry, it's now it's just yeah. there. I, I mean, listen, I get it. It's Hollywood. There's a lot of egos. Everyone wants the credit. As they say, success has many masters. Failure usually has one. And I think that's sort of what we're looking at right now is people, you know, I, I have it on good authority. There was an early campaign to try to get things moving, to talk about coming back to the theaters, but there was this constant infighting about who was going to get the credit, who was going to run the creative. And it was just insane. And it's just like, you guys need to step back Are from, you your, seriously? from your bleeping egos yeah, yeah. and start realizing that you've got to save this industry. It's not just going to survive organically. Yeah. You have to give people a reason to want to come back. But there I, are millions of different campaign ideas you could use. There are celebrities out there you can use to make campaigns that are engaging. I mean, even Target's doing something. They've been running the spot ad nauseum about all the, the measures they're taking so you're safe and it's clear within their brand. You know, like I said, you got the sports leagues doing their thing. I just want the industry to wake the, I'm going to swear, wake the fuck up <laughs> and realize that this is the time to start talking to your audience and get them to want to come back. They're just assuming this is all what they always do. They just assume everyone's going to want to come back. And you know what they say about assume it may sing the ass out of you and me. Yeah. So it's just sort of like they need to get their heads together and I'm happy to but help who, if they want to actually try to do something. But who's going to do that? Give, who, I mean, it's not going to be Oprah. Like, you mean, like, who's going to actually pull the industry together? You need to have a big name director, somebody that uh, can lean into this situation and, and flesh their muscles. Listen, I, I think, I, I mean, it really would just take one person. To, I mean, you've seen, we've seen the things that social media can do, albeit most of them in the last year have been bad. 
But we have seen a lot of movements that have been created by social media. And I think if you got one of the big stars, like a Ryan Reynolds, if he just stepped out and said, we need to talk about, like, get his maximum effort involved. Let's talk about a campaign to get people back into the theaters. People would get on board with him because he's so smart. His, his agency side of his com- production company has been putting together such great um, uh, viral campaigns. Like, get somebody like him on board. Give him a call. Like, people's li- livelihoods depend on getting this industry back together. Him. No one's calling him. Nobody, everybody's like... <laughs> hey, I'm here. I'll, I'm, I'll, I can publish my phone number if anybody, if some people want to call me. I can please put this call together Ryan myself. Reynolds. Please call Ryan Reynolds for us. Yeah, I, anyway. I mean, All right, let me... Let me uh, it, it's an interesting conversation because you're, you're right. There's got to be a moment to step up. And, and what you're really pointing out is that the overall industry lacks some sort of leadership. Uh, I'd say like there used to be powerhouse individuals, again, like uh, a certain pocket of directors. Um, I think about the relationships that uh, Lucas and Spielberg and Coppola and and, um, uh, Scorsese and De Palma, those guys all had a relationship with each other. So the five of them or six of them, when they decided something, they couldn't have a major influence in industry. I I don't know where that pocket is right now besides maybe deep inside of Disney, who has their mm-hmm. agenda deep inside of Netflix and, and Amazon who have don't have any concern of people about getting back to the studio or the theaters. They don't have anything in the theaters that no. uh, requires their paychecks. Um, and, you know, Universal, Sony, Paramount. Well, I think uh, that's Warner. Lo- like those aren't, where are we going to find the leadership in those? I, 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 and I, I, you're right, Tim, you're hundred percent right. And I think that's always been a problem in the industry is there's no one driving the bus anymore. It's, yeah. There's no big name who can stand up and say, this is what we're doing. I mean, maybe Bob Iger came close to that, but I still don't think he could really shift the industry in any particular way just because he felt one way or another. Like you look back to the golden age of the studio system and listen, a lot of those guys, Louis B. Mayer, Harold Cohn, Zanuck, were slimeball human beings in a lot of ways. Um, But at the same time, they were, I mean, they they, they built something and they're able to move the industry in a direction, whereas now, I don't see anybody being able to, and I think that's part of the problem is you don't have any real leadership. Anyone speaking up and saying, this is what we're doing. Hey, Academy, this is a stupid idea to have the award show this year. Let's just, you know, we can do something, but let's keep it small. Let's talk about focusing on bringing back theaters and bringing people back to the theaters and talk about maybe have like some sort of telethon so we can help support workers who haven't been working because you can't have as many people on a set anymore. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that they could do to showcase the fact that they want this industry, they want to build this industry, build back better to borrow a term. Um, but at the same time, it's just, they, they just don't seem interested in doing it. They're, they're all sort of like, let's push everything out on streaming and then just wait until the theaters open and then we'll just push our movies out. Like everything's hunky dory and everything's back to normal. And I mean, Tom Rothman, uh, you know, wrote a piece in the Hollywood reporter that was kind of like. What, what world are you living in, man? Like, it's sort of like, yeah, we, we've been, we've been able to keep moving along and everything's fine. And we didn't have any mass layoffs. I mean, ignore the layoffs we did before this all hit, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's, there's, there's a certain level of almost willful blindness in, in a way that they just kind of want to just pretend like everything's going to be the same. And I get it. You know, I was down and when I was down in Australia, I was, bemoaning the fact that everyone in the industry is so slow to move and do anything and 
the guy I was working for at the time said, well, you know what? They, they've got their kids in private school. They've got their mortgages. They don't want to jeopardize that. And I was like, well, they're the wrong business. Yeah. Because this is a business where we're supposed to take risks. Yeah. And if you want a steady paycheck, go work at a fucking bank. I mean, that's what I always used to say. Anyone was like, it's five o'clock. I need to leave. I'm like, guess what? That's not how the creative industry works. Okay. You got to, I mean, creative takes a little bit of sacrifice. Come on. Dude, but you unfortunately, like- that's you got these people who are just used to their fat paychecks and their beautiful offices the size of football fields, but they're not moving the industry like the people who used to occcupy those offices used to. And that's where I get all kind of worked up. And you got me all worked <laughs> up. Now I'm just oh boy. <laughs> all right. Anyway, what were we talking about? <laughs> in case anybody in the Academy wants to keep trying to produce the upcoming uh, Academy Awards, we're available because we think we can, we'll totally nail this, get people back. Yeah, I could have a whole conversation about the, the, what they're doing with that. Like, you know, backtracking on demanding people be there and saying, oh no, we're going to do hats, satellites in London and Paris. I'm like, oh my God. All right, let me ask you this question. Let me change topics. Let's see if I can calm you down just for a second before we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think about the, the right stuff being canceled? The Disney Plus series, right stuff. Isn't that interesting that, you know, really they've had this, we'll just say like tons of success, Mandalorian, whatever, but, but the minute they get off of a Marvel uh, series or a Lucas series, mm-hmm. and, and I, I guess I watched a couple episodes. It, it wasn't like it was that catchy. I mean, I, I never forgot. I never remembered to turn it back on, I guess, which is, I think. Is- yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the problem that you run into the, the sort of glut of too many options. And I think it, it does point out the issue they may have in the future with branded branded content being the shows that are in the sort of Marvel Lucasfilm universe that already have a built-in audience and the ones that have to go out and find an audience. And I think that is sort of where the struggle is going to be. It's their first scripted cancellation. Um, you know, they amid, amid all this myriad success of Mandalorian and Falcon and Winter Soldier, WandaVision, you know, the announcement that the Obi-Wan series, Obi-Wan Kenobi is starting to shoot and Hayden Christensen is back as Vader. They're bringing, you know, uh, Anne Beru and Uncle Owen back too. I mean, there's all kinds of like, it just gets people, and I get excited when I hear that. Like, Woo! When I hear right stuff and I'm like, me, yeah. is it going to be better than the movie? Probably not. But at the same time, it's it like- wasn't It wasn't better than the movie, by the way. I mean, there was parts when I was watching the, the episodes I watched where I thought- mm-hmm wait, this isn't, this isn't the way the movie uh, used these characters. Like I felt, right. felt like they were, I don't know, turning these guys into perverts and alcoholics or, do you know what I mean? Well, like, that's, I think- that's what we do these days, Tim. We don't, we don't, we, 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 we say everyone's horrible. No one's, yeah. no one, no one's worthy of, of emulation. Everyone's but, awful. Dude, it's a little ridiculous. Like, you, so you have Marvel heroes, you have these Star Wars heroes, and then we take real heroes and we make them into losers. Like, of course, like, no, just make the astronauts into heroes. We just want to watch heroes. And they yeah. already are heroes. They're already amazing right. people. Okay, they have vices. They're about ready to get into a rocket ship and go well, to- Well, they're the human beings. I mean, come on, let's not forget that. I mean, everyone's perfect. Wow. And let's not forget what they sacrificed so we get to the moon. I mean, I, I listen, I, yeah. we could go on to that. I could go on to that forever as well. Yeah. You're really hitting all my my uh, my passion. Oh, I'm trying today. out here. Uh, but I, you know, I think it is. It's something that Disney has to be aware of, and you know, I think they do phenomenal marketing in a lot of ways. Um, but they're also gifted a pre-existing audience in a lot of ways. And I think if Disney was smart, 
I think they would let Assad's group take a stab at some of the original content and see if they can sort of use some of the theatrical, um, cultural buildup type Our, tactics that theatrical teams use. And I think Netflix does that. I mean, honestly, when you drive down Sunset Boulevard, Netflix is using um, really well, some tactics of theatrical tactics to roll right. out their bigger. Well, it helps Tim if you buy a billboard company. Well, it does yeah. make things easier. Yeah. <laughs> the buildings on Yeah, Boulevard. I mean, that does help. But I mean, listen, I think Disney has the opportunity here because they have that brand. And I think they have a real opportunity to take that brand and apply it to other shows that might not necessarily have the sort of built-in audience of a Lucas, of a you know Star Wars universe or a Marvel universe and sort of apply it across the platform. And it, I think what you're going to start to see is they have to be careful because if talent feels like if it's not on under the Marvel or Lucas Star Wars banner, it's going to plop, then you're yeah. not going to be able to get talent to want to show up for those shows because they know they're going to, I mean, they know it's just going to get side side shelves to those big properties. I mean, you look at Netflix, they put out a ton of movies and product constantly, but they have no problem getting talent, partially because they pay, but also because the talent sees that Netflix has an, op- has a, an ability to make things culturally relevant. Yeah. And I think well, that is even like, even just the fact that Disney canceled anything. Like we, I guess we've been talking for a while about it's just a library. And I, and I was thinking like, okay, well, there's a long play at least like finish the series mm-hmm. um, or it, uh, maybe, and maybe honestly, they took something that should have been a six part series and are trying to make it into six seasons, which again, like the right stuff. I don't know if it's that strong of a storyline to keep it going as right. episodic anyway. I don't know where right. they get all the material from. Um, so maybe bad strategy in, in taking that story and doing it. But I, I, to me, like, I was just a little surprised that Disney canceled the, the words Disney canceled, like why you have tons of cash, you have lots of, lots of material and you can do something. So well, it, know, that's it just, like a interesting part for me. Yeah. I mean, it, it just goes back to show that the streamers are just, I feel like just another cable network. I mean, this is the same thing we see constantly like on cable where they cancel a show because it's not, you know, the ratings aren't what they want it to be, or it's too expensive. And the producer's like, all right, I'll shop it somewhere else. And that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Warner Bros. is like, all right, we'll take it somewhere else. And we'll see if we can get it kicked up somewhere else. And it's just like, the streamers aren't really drastically changing the model of how things are done. They're just another distribution channel. That's all they really are at this point. I mean, granted, yes, we've seen some success with Marvel and Star Wars, and that may lead to different changes. But they're still just kind of playing the same business model in a lot of ways because they just cancel shows without really like playing out. Let's see how it plays out. And maybe, I mean, at the very least, we build another show that we have in the library that isn't an animated title that, you know, families come to watch constantly. Yeah. Well, and uh, he made, that might've been another spin where I, I put Disney plus in that family friendly category. Mm-hmm. Again, they were not making it as family friendly. Okay, so you you ready for this? We're about yeah. ready to. Uh, <laughs> what are you gonna are you gonna ask me about? You gonna ask me about Snyder? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> what do you? So how was that four and a half hours of your life? Uh, did you? <laughs> I mean, really, Tim? We got like what five minutes left or something like that? Come on, like I, I mean, I can't just have like a, okay. I'll give you I'll give you my quick we'll summary. We'll go long today. We can go a little. Long okay, long. all right. So what you really think here? I feel. I think. I'm not going to say I feel. I think it was an improvement for sure on the Whedon version, which was a colossal mess. However, I don't think it was still, I don't think it was a great movie in any way, shape or form. Um, I do think, um, I didn't really feel like Cyborg, his, I mean, I know that was the big thing, his backstory coming back on, I think was big, but I don't feel like it really 
brought a ton to the story um you know and superman wearing black okay big deal i mean i know snyder is always sort of on the edge of wanting to throw superman to be a bad guy and just murder millions but i just uh, you know that didn't really appeal to me one thing i will say i, I did like was ben affleck i thought it gave his character a little bit. I, I find I kind of liked him a little bit more as Bruce Wayne slash Batman, and that's the first time I've really felt that way. I didn't like it in Batman vs Superman, but I felt like it gave him a little bit more of a character to build with. Um, and honestly, I don't know what's going on with Gal Gadot, but I got to tell you, she has not been good since Wonder Woman. Like I don't know what magic the, sauce was the original in Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman, the first yeah. Wonder, yeah, first Wonder Woman. She was amazing in that. Yeah. 1984 was a disaster. She wasn't good in this either. I mean, I don't know if it was well, because uh, Batman versus Superman, I think was like the it took her off. She her came right. in like the last 10 minutes. I know, really. but it, it didn't coming off of Wonder Woman. It was well, coming off of Wonder Woman was so awesome. Like I, I was ready. Like, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Justice she League. was so good in that. And then we get Blunder Woman 1984, but which I, was to me that's some of ben affleck's problem i almost feel like someone made a deal with ben affleck of like okay dude if we ever launch batman we, we promise stop telling kevin smith to call us every five minutes to make you no i wasn't uh, no i mean it's listen, like it, some it, kind of bs like if you because you got argo for our studio you can have i don't know what it was but it was like well, i gave him a lot of control over and i know that i mean he brought chris terrio on who wrote argo Dude, to sort of help the, to like, frame the story and try to save it he already was the blind guy daredevil like do we need do we need to repeat actors as superheroes to well chris evans would, would 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 showcase that you can't do it he was the human torch before he became captain america let's not forget and yeah. he actually did yeah he did well, quite we well as Ryan reynolds america. being green lantern before uh deadpool. yeah before deadpool i mean so it's been but played still before. like we got the guy that's the accountant showing up as batman the, like the next year like listen i was i wasn't a big fan of the casting either i'm just saying that it it, it gave him a little bit more to work with um i i'm not everyone loves ezra whatever his name is as the flash smith or something like that i'm not, I'm not a fan i i just i i just i can't He's just a weird you, dude. Don't you feel like what the he what's not happening is that we're not making them heroes? Uh, we'll go back to that. Maybe we're finding a theme mm. for our, our show a little bit today. It's like they're they really Chris Nolan has an interesting vision in telling like dark versus light, which I think yes. is kind of cool. I like the darkness versus light contrast. It's yes. a, like classic story, obviously. Human right. history, all of human history is dark versus light. When we get to Zack Snyder, all we get is just like anti-hero like yes. everybody is a sinner is all he keeps pointing out and you're like hey, bro we got the reluctant it. heroes that's yeah. that's basically what it is like a superman's not so great is all he wants to keep on pointing out and i'm like no superman's great man like superman's always been great well my all my big critique of him has always been that he tried to take a dark knight aesthetic and story which is very much light versus dark you know, you've, you start out with the, the Bruce Wayne character of watching his parents get murdered. So it's a very dark story. And he understood that. But when you see in the dark in the um, in Batman Begins is sort of the evolution to him realizing that even if he was there, he what, he what could he have done? There was no reason for him to sulk over it and trying to kill the guy who took him out to adopt his parents wasn't going to solve that. I mean, you could see an evolution in Bruce Wayne that sort of realized okay, I have to become this dark character to save and bring my city back to the light. And that's what was great about Christopher Nolan. And he showed the side of like the darker side of human nature, particularly in The Dark Knight Rises with Bane and sort of, you know, the people take over and blah, you know, all that kind of stuff. But 
at the same time, Snyder tries to take that aesthetic and apply it to some a character that doesn't have that, like Superman, who is innately good. And that was what's great about him. Yes. He does try to make that. And granted, I know everyone says it's so boring. And like, no, it's not. It's aspirational. It shows that there's a, a guy out there who is has all these powers because he's going to just take over the world and he wants to do the right thing. And he always strives to do the right thing. And, you know, the Avengers, you know, they played a little bit with Captain America, but he always was looking out to do the right thing. Yeah. And, and I think that he never strayed from that. And what Snyder does is try to show these people as just sort of fallen people who don't really want to be heroes, but they're kind of forced to be. And like the whole recruitment part of it, it's like, you know, with Aquaman, it's like, I don't want to do any of this. I'm jumping into the ocean. See ya. I <laughs> You know, and it's just like, you know, the only one who really shows any interest is Flash. And it's like, because he's a kid. And it's it's like, okay, why, why can't you, why can't, I mean, go to the movies to be sort of excited and, you know, check your reality at the door. But you go in and it's just like all this, you know, granted, they win at the end, but there's so much angst and like, and it's But I also like, don't think, I think we have to keep in mind, it's not just about winning, right? Like, it's not like, hey, I, you know, the, the good guys won. There's actually the reason the good guys fight is because of love. Like they, mm. they are, they love the people they serve. They love the country they're, they're, they support. They love the woman they're fighting for. Like that, there's a an attachment to the things that they're fighting for, not just power, control, hunger, strength. I don't know, like all these things that uh, Zack Snyder seems to focus on, which is just like almost like methodically just killers or methodically just winners or whatever or the challenge of it all so right. i think there's just missing that angle of like what true how true humanity really works and to know that it's human we're seeing our humanity in these heroes that's why we use heroes and robots and, and everything else in stories is to look at ourselves or at least an mm -hmm. attribute of humanity and then question it what if i took that to an extreme what am i going to see or <laughs> i take that extreme where does it go I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I think all of, I think this whole Zack Snyder universe stuff is weird. I don't, I don't like it. And I know there's some online wannabe relaunch of Zack Snyder verse, but kind of be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm. Fine yeah. I, 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 over. I'm not. I just want I'm, Wonder Woman back. I want the original Wonder Woman back. Yeah. She understood yeah. something. She loved something. She fought for something that was good. She took out the ultimate bad guy. She was a hero. Like it was awesome. I wanted, I wanted mm -hmm. that hero to come back again. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think maybe that it is time to put a sort of. He got his cut. Let's move on. Um, but you know, we'll see. I mean, I think the old adage of you know, if you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to want some milk. And I think Warner Media is going to find that Snyder's rabid fan, rabid fan base, who advocated heartily for this cut even though it, when it didn't really exist, it, it just, you know, they started this online rumor that there was a cut of the movie that Snyder wanted to release and the studio said no, which wasn't true, but they basically started the rumor to the point where Warner Media was like, okay, well, well, we need something for HBO Max. So Zach, why don't you come back and recut the film and we'll spend like 40, $50 million on it to sort of do whatever you want to do to it. And I, I think it's time to sort of put the Snyder version of DC to a bed to bed and let's see what, what comes yeah. out. I mean, listen, I, I, am not, I, I'm not that's necessarily just, optimistic. That's just Warner pandering for an audience to get something out there. Yeah. It's I totally mean, honestly, true. At least we're talking about something on HBO max or. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. I mean, it's just, it's just another piece of content to drive people to HBO max, which has a very bumpy rollout.
yeah. as we've discussed in this podcast in, in the past. But I think at the same time, I'm not entirely confident in what DC Universe, the what Marvel does so well, as I said millions of millions of times, is they sort of they hire people who have appreciation for the characters. They tell an uh, an interlaced story, so it all kind of comes together, so you feel like you're part of a, a grander story that's being told. Versus DC universes, which is just like, okay, we're gonna have ten Supermans, three Batmans, ten Jokers, and oh, we'll just keep making movies. And at the end of the day, it's just like I'm not. I just don't feel there's any, I, I don't know, there's there's nothing, I just don't feel the enjoyment coming out of these movies that are being made. They just feel like they're just yeah. characters that they have and they need product. So let's just throw them out in a movie and see what happens. Yeah, I, I feel like the I feel like the Superman that we knew is being erased. Like I don't I haven't seen a, a Superman movie. I don't know. I'll say my adulthood that matched what the Superman movies. I will say this. I have watched some of um, Lois and Clark or Clark and Lois. The TV series. Yeah. And I have to say, Tyler Hecklin, the the new, that guy there, Tyler Hecklin, he's an actor. He's actually kind of grasping it a little better. He's kind of an in-between between the, the sort of Christopher Reeve that we all remember and sort of the more Henry Cavill sort of new brooding, and he kind of meets in the middle. And I think that is maybe a way forward. Maybe. I don't know who the new Superman's gonna be. There, I, I don't know if Henry Cavill's done. I think he might be because they hired a new writer. Um, you know, uh, what's his face? J.J. Abrams is producing it. I doubt they'll, it, they'll stay within the Snyderverse, which involves keeping Henry Cavill. So they're probably going to recast Superman again. Yeah, sure. And, and I hope they go back to sort of trying to meld versus just saying Christopher Reeve was too goody goody. There's nothing wrong with that. The guy strove to be better and the, that's human. And yes, he struggled, but it's okay that if you try to make the right decision every single time you try, that's the point. It doesn't mean that it's always right, that it's always going to work out well. But at the same time, you you assert to make the right decision. And I think that's what's missing. But I do think sort of Tyler Hecklin might be headed in the right direction. Again, I'm only like, they're only three episodes in, but he he seems to capture the sort of want to do the good thing. You know, at the same time, he's raising kids. So it's interesting to see that new side of him, like yeah, trying to be a father. Cool. Yeah. Trying to be a father. And it's, we've never seen this before. Like, any Lois and Clark we've always seen, it's sort of like the evolution from her discovering he's Superman and they get married and then it shows over. This is, they're married and now they're back in Smallville trying to raise a family. So there's that interesting dynamic. And I think he captures the sort of Christopher Reeve, Henry Cavill. And from the interviews I read, he didn't watch any of those. Like, I I don't necessarily believe they never saw Superman because who hasn't seen Superman, but he didn't use it as a study for his character. Like he tried to evolve it just like what he felt Superman would be um, if he was a, a father still, you know, fighting to save the world. So, well, Henry Cavill had the benefit of uh, Chris Nolan's Batman to look yes. at. You'll see that, which is kind of cool. I, I think, yeah. but honestly, I just think, you know, since Brian Singer directed Batman Returns, I don't, I think Superman, Superman, sorry, Returns. Superman Returns. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, the Superman Returns. I didn't get think Superman has been challenged in the industry, and his story has been challenged. And I, I know I think it's only been basically Brian Singer and Zack Snyder alone two directors that have done anything with Superman recently. But yeah, I mean, I'd love to see something new. I'm ready. To well, I mean, here's the thing: I, there were a lot of things like there was a George Miller Justice League that was brewing, which I would have loved to have seen. That would have been a phenomenal 
just experienced theatrically. I can only imagine what he would have done with with those characters. And, you know, there was Wolfgang Peterson, Batman versus Superman that collapsed. And then there was, um, I think at one point, Mick G was attached, which Brad Radner was attached. I mean, and then, you know, and then there was a Brian Singer version, which I think, well, I appreciated the nostalgia of it because it leaned heavily into the Richard Donner version. Yeah. But the problem was that I think it leaned too, it was too, too in line with the Richard Donner version. Um, And I think that was part of the problem. And I think the reaction to the studio, the studio was like, okay, well, we don't want to do that again. So let's go, whoop, let's go over here and make him this brooding, you know, I don't really want to be a hero or should I be a hero? Should I listen to my dad and let the kids drown in the bus? I mean, it's just, uh, don't even, yeah. I mean, that whole thing, that's where it starts to lose me. But anyway, it's just sort of like. Wait, so, so come on, we have one minute. I'm going to give you one minute. You have to t- talk about the 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 moment the bus moment because i know that just sets you over the edge of well it, it, it's the it, again it goes to the zack snyder sometimes just not getting the characters the whole point of jonathan kent dying of a heart attack is it showcases that superman can't save everyone now i realized by saying that the end of superman the movie he basically reverses time and saves lois yeah, i understand right. that i get it Okay. Not, not going to happen again, kind of. A not going to happen again. But I, so I understand that I'm, I'm con- contradicting myself for all you haters who are going to come after me because I said this. But I do feel that that was one of the realizations that the heart attack shows he can't save everybody. He's not, even though he has all these powers, he can't save everybody. And I think that was an important lesson for him. And instead, what Snyder does is say like, okay, Jonathan Kent wants to keep his secret, keep his son a secret because he doesn't feel the world is ready. So he says, well, should I have let, should I have just let those kids die in the bus? Jonathan Kent says, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Are you kidding me? No. And then the whole like tornado thing when he's like, no, son, let me die because I don't want people to see how powerful you are. I'm like, What the? F-? No, that Jonathan Kent would have been like, come on, we got to save as many people as you can. You've got gifts. And then he immediately flips it around. You were meant to do something special, son. I don't know. I can't wait to see what it is. But at the same time, you can't show your powers to save anybody. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, really? Anyway, okay. I'm gonna yeah, give I'm, I'm gonna give one good kudos and scene. Zack Snyder, my I, one good kudo I have it, 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 one of my favorite um, scenes in the uh, Man of Steel was when, as a child, he's trying to figure out how this uh, invisible or this his eyes worked and his sound worked, and he was in oh, the yeah. room and he's like seeing through things and he was dealing with a crisis. I thought like that's a cool idea. It's the whole question of like, yeah, how, does, I mean, how does the Man of Steel shave? Like it's at, at that question, like how does, a, how does a Man of Steel mature when like he can see things and no one else can see, he can hear things and no one else can hear, right. and it's driving him crazy. I thought that's- yeah, I mean, I, I think like, okay, full credit to Zack Snyder. There are some wonderful moments in yeah. Man of Steel. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the sign when, you know, she first discovers that he's from another world and he's like, can I just continue being your son? And he's like, you are my son. I mean, that- there are some really great moments in that movie, but there's so many moments that just go so far afield of what I what what I think Superman could have been. I think some of the correct uh, the sort of tweaks he made in mythology were right, but I think he went so far afield with some of the other ones that it kind of washed the others out. And all right, anyway, I'm well, excited to see what we'll he's going to do next for our spinoff show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I could go on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> As all we right. all know. Uh, 
spring break. You're gonna where are you going for, for spring break? You're gonna sit around and watch. I actually just returned from my spring break. I took the kids to see my parents back west in western Pennsylvania, outside Pittsburgh, for a week. We hadn't been we haven't been there in almost a year. So you know my parents are vaccinated. So I thought you know I reward them with a week with my crazy children. That's awesome. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm I'm this is like I'm you know Saturday and then. You know, maybe Easter that's Sunday. why you're wound up. You've just been, yeah, that's why I'm wound up. I've been stuck with kids for a whole week. My wife stayed here and it was just your me and kids the kids and, your and my parents. parents. You're gonna like, so I, I'm like, oh, like, Ehh. um, but yeah, so we'll, you know, um, uh, everything goes back to normal on Tuesday when our kids go back to school and you know, work continues apace. So, well, I appreciate you jumping in doing this for us. No, of course, I love it. It's fun. Well, uh, happy Good Friday to all of you that are listening. We're glad to be part of your extended weekend, if you're having that, um, and all the great stuff that's happening here in the industry. I am a little bit excited about this um, Godzilla versus versus Kong opening. I think that just shows that there is something about ready to pop in our, in our let's say, world, right? The all mm -hmm. over the world, and I think there's something great's going to happen. We do need to keep promoting this idea that we can't just go back to business as usual. And I want these uh, cinemas to take the time to to reboot in a really cool way. So I have a great idea. I'm not going to share it here, but I got a great idea that I think we write work. it down. You can. That's what. That's why people pay you the big money for as a company. <laughs> and, uh, Give me a, reach out. I'm telling you, I got a work idea. I think it could work. It could be crushed. It could be killer. We got to release your website one of these days here. On this oh, show. it'll be ready next week. We can announce it next week. I'm, All right, we one final it. tweak, and then we can announce. <laughs> Hey, as always, Lydia, thank you for pulling this together and making this happen. We appreciate what you're doing and Go Social is doing. And Curly Joe, we thank you for um, the support that you give us behind the scenes, making sure we get our social media out there in the world. So it's great to have you guys. We'll see you soon on Hollywood Breaks. And we have some more special guests coming up in the next few weeks that we'll be announcing. So keep your eyes posted. If you like what you see, please subscribe. If you like what you hear, give us lots of stars. We want uh, other people to be part of this conversation. Um, and if you really want to hear more, you can hear us on Clubhouse. Keith and I will rant all the time on Clubhouse. Just uh, join our club, uh, find us in our profiles and, and um, uh, subscribe to us. We'd be happy to have those conversations with you live there. Until next week, this is Hollywood Breaks. Thank you. Bye-bye.